Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Diana is an electronically inclined pop band from Toronto whose primary members are Kieran Adams, Carmen L., and Joseph Shabison. After their 2013 album Perpetual Surrender earned them accolades around the world from the likes of the New York Times, The Guardian, and NPR, Diana toured a lot. And then they got back to work on new songs. Looking back at it all from a distance Sunken in hungry eyes Couldn't see I'd already Taken what I needed To get me by I kept my distance You bit your tongue And the taste that it left In your mouth was enough To fill me The result is an excellent, emotionally raw, yet playfully fun and infectious record called Familiar Touch, which is out now via Culvert Music. Diana are gearing up to tour with a giant version of their band. I just saw them play in Guelph. There's like eight or nine people. I don't know. Maybe that's too many. Eight? Anyway, it was amazing. I'd never seen them play with that many people. It's, it was great. Backup singers and extra musicians. Fantastic. Anyway, they're taking this band on the road. They're playing select Canadian and American cities in in November and December. And like I say, they were just in Guelph to play this show. So we met up at CFRU for a conversation covering everything from Margarine to Donald Trump's America and much more in between. So here we go. This is Carmen, Kieran, and Joseph of Diana on Creative Control. Kieran, how you doing? I, I'm well, thanks. How are you? I'm well. Have you ever been to this uh, studio before? No, never. What do you think? 
A lot of carpet. Yeah, it, that's true. A There's a lot of carpet. types of carpet. You're a producer guy. Like, can you soundproofing? You understand why there would be this absorbent material? Yeah, I understand the need for it. <laughs> <laughs> You're not Just funny when you end up in a space with with a lot of carpet. Yeah. I, I, do you have like a, a you're like a hardwood floor kind of guy? Is that what you're? Yeah, I like laminates too. Laminates or like that? What's the linoleum? Linoleum. The right kind can be okay. okay. Parquet. Tile. It's also nice. Like uh, I guess that's wood. Boston well. Garden kind of thing. Yeah. The parquet. Oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about basketball. that. Basketball. Yeah. Okay. That's good. Probably Car- the first parquet in my life. Anyways. <laughs> do you remember the? Do you remember parquet margin? <laughs> yeah. Totally. I do. <laughs> this is a b- terrible tangent. What happened that? to that? Because Basel now is totally the brand. But what about but Imperial? I thought Imperial was the brand. Mater- Imperial is a margarine brand. I don't know if it's the brand. It's a Canadian margarine brand. Uh. Are you a margarine guy, Joseph? Absolutely not. Margarine My parents have margarine all at their house now. They don't have butter. But don't you think margarine is kind of the most 90s phenomenon, which is like this thing that everyone told you. It's healthier. W- it's not. Exactly. That's what we were told. Wait, but it's no not way. healthier. How can it be healthier? And it tastes worse. It's the worst. It's yeah. the weirdest thing. But the one of the comp- there was a company called, I can't believe it's not butter. Yeah. Right. Yep. For margarine. Oh, right. Mm-hmm. That was their whole ploy was right thing. in the name. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And people bought it. Because they yeah. literally couldn't believe. My bought it. I remember working it. at a movie theater, and we had butter and basil, and <gasps> and the staff would always whisper, like, oh, this stuff is like, they say it's three molecules different from plastic. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. It's so gross. I had nothing but basil growing up. Nothing but. You had margarine hey. the whole, t- it's fine. He's just kicking the microphone. <laughs> you had nothing but margarine growing up. Yeah. Me, me too. Really? Yeah. yeah, my parents no wouldn't buy butter. Foods. What, no other foods. <laughs> no vegetables. <laughs> just just scoops full of margarine and Cisco. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, that Chris, is Crisco. Crisco. I almost said Cisco, Cisco. which is a different thing. Yeah. A guy. That's a guy. Yeah. All right. Well, the, the, that's disgusting to me. And I know offense <laughs> to your parents or caregivers, but that's... No, no, no. It's weird. You grew up in Newfoundland, right? Yeah. So is that a thing? Do people not trust the butter in Newfoundland? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's a there, there's a butter culture. There's a culture of butter. In, uh, I believe it is culture. There's like good good luck butter. What does that mean? Or was that a margin? I can't remember. There's this really good funny margin of this this kid making like cookies with her nanny, and no nobody makes cookies like you, nanny. Right. It's like, uh, and it's just, yeah. It was like a nice, quaint little scene. But it was, mar- like, I, I, I don't want to, I don't know enough about it. I like, just, you feel like Newfoundland would be, like, wouldn't entertain margarine. No, I would think they'd be a hardcore butter people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Although, it's my well, new project, actually, hardcore butter people. <laughs> <laughs> but why, though? Like, this, it's an island, right? So there, must, there probably isn't a ton of, like, cows. So if everything's oh, important. We got lots of cows. Okay, there's, so there's I'm definitely cows in Newfoundland. <laughs> I'm back there all of a sudden. By the way, we got cows. By, by about? the way, define a ton of cows. What is that? Uh, what is a? What is your quota? I would, I would say minimum Ontario number. has a ton of cows. You would say that. I would say that. You would that. say that to another human being. I, I, I just did. We'd go around saying Ontario has a ton of cows. A ton of cows. Yeah, there seem to be a lot of cows. I'm not counting. Have you ever counted? No. No. But okay, okay, but my swimming lessons as a child. We're at a dairy farm. So, like, what? we have You're a new swimming <laughs> lessons. We're at a dairy farm. In the milk Just pads, pools yeah. of milk. So, up in Caledon, where I grew up, there was a rich farmer then. whose sister held swimming lessons in their indoor pool. So, I mean, 
Maybe that was just a coincidence, but I feel like it's is indicative. Is this a Randy Newman song? That is the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever heard. It's indicative of a culture of cows. Right, okay. Yeah, I, I think Which leads I, to a culture of butter. Exactly. Given its populous <laughs> nature, I can see why Ontario <laughs> would have a lot of a lot of cows. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. fair. But I don't know that uh, a limit on cows is necessarily going to prohibit you from uh, consuming butter because butter is a, a transportable item. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it it's is. a good that can travel, and people often will have <laughs> faulty logic. I didn't mm-hmm. know that this was going to happen in talking to Diana. <laughs> so yeah, much but about I butter. Was, I was wondering if you might come up with a clever way to like tie it in sometime soonish, but maybe not. Well, let's see. Familiar touch. Um, <laughs> let me think here. Well, butter is no. I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing right now. I'll uh, try to tie it in later. Carmen, do you have any? Thoughts on this? You, 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 you seem you're a butter kid. You Your seem like you'd cool. be a butter person to me. <laughs> <laughs> or were you non-dairy or non-bread um, lubricant? I don't know how to describe butter and margarine other any other way except to make it sound vaguely gross. Gosh, you know, it's spread, I, yeah. I did. I had a bit of a sweet tooth. I had a lot of like Nutella and honey spreads. Uh, okay. I favored those. I went through, this is really interesting. I went through a brief phase of really liking peanut butter and butter. Oh, I did. Yes, I did that too. It's a great combo, right? I did that too. But logic would dictate that first the butter is spread and then the peanut butter. Yes. But I did it the other way around. Well, oh. That's where it gets oh. interesting. I, did, I used to do that <laughs> too. That is where it gets interesting. That's where it got interesting. I used to do that too, though, because uh, if you did the butter on the bread first and then the peanut butter on top, you get the butter flavor, but not as much as if you not put it right on top. Not as much as a triumphant schmear right on yes. top. Wow. As thick as you want it, oily and just... Trump and Schmier was another band name. (laughs) (laughs) I used to take, uh, and by the way, like until university, I only ate the sweet, sugary peanut butter. Really? Oh, yeah. Like the Skippy or the Jif, if you're American or uh, whatever. The Kraft, I guess, Mm -hmm. is a big one. But yeah, I would just my whole life. In fact, at my parents' house, they had a brand new jar of it. And I didn't even think they ate peanut butter. But I think they just had a habit of buying jars of peanut Still butter. Still for you? Yeah, in case we show up and uh, are 12 years old again. Yeah. My but, parents were the opposite. They wouldn't let us have anything sweet in the house. So I actually found this out this year. But because we were only given whole grain everything, no sweets, no sugar, my sister's friend's mother took pity on her and... <laughs> bought her a bag of Wonder Bread and gave her a jar of Nutella, which my sister would hide underneath her bed. <laughs> and at night, before she went to bed, she'd make herself a, Nutella, a white bread and Nutella sandwich. Amira would? Amira would, oh yeah. Oh, my God, that's and incredible. Because, yeah, my house was just, like, so brutal. Yeah, I wish... I'm starting to wish we had laid down these rules. Because but you know what your kids are going to do, Vish? I'll tell you. Same thing that I did, which is get to school, immediately throw their entire lunch in the garbage... And then trade for better food. You're breaking my heart. I, I used to do it when I was a kid things. too, because I had really healthy parents, and they would be my mom. If she hears this, would be so heartbroken. But I felt so guilty about it. I used yeah. to throw so many just like full sandwiches in the garbage. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah, I don't know why we would do that. We were just ungrateful idiots. I think is really what it was. Because my son is a good eater, and we try to give him nutritious lunches, and he will mostly eat them. But how old is he? He's only five. So when he gets into regular stream school and he sees kids who are coming to school with like, I don't know what the modern day equivalent of like fruit roll-ups and all of that sort of stuff is, like you are going to see that and be so jealous or he's going to see that and be so jealous 
and that's when the lunch throwing out starts. It's like everything before that is due to lack of exposure, but then once he sees what other kids are having, you got to be pretty diligent. Yeah, thanks for destroying my day <laughs> yeah, and no the next few years. Why would you? It's evening, though. I know what it's going to be like. I am already experiencing little bits of loss every uh, minute. So thanks. <laughs> no problem. It's my pleasure. Pile. Maybe it won't be like that. You know, my boy is <sighs> pretty good. I mean, he was acting out a little bit tonight, but he's a good boy, and he tries to. He's he's in a phase where he doesn't want to disappoint us. Like he understands the disappointment, sort of. Mm-hmm. He pushes our buttons, but I think he knows that disappointing us is the worst thing mm-hmm. he can and do. Well, like I said, I felt well. guilty, but I still threw out the sandwich. I did the same. Yeah. I did the same. I don't. Or I, if I didn't uh, throw them out, I uh, I didn't bring them. Uh, I I just didn't. I, I would bring them home, and they'd be a mashed yeah PB and J mess, you know. I also did a thing uh, in <laughs> high school, in particular. I think the entire duration of high school, I would always get a Coke in my lunch. Whoa. My parents would give me a soda Tight. pop. Oh, see, yeah. And that's I would like okay, that. so that's Real one cool. that's one thing. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That and I have cavities <laughs> and my teeth are all yeah, yeah everything. You can th- buy his loyalty for like another decade True. with a can of coke. I'm not giving my I'm not doing this to my kid. I'm just saying this will happen to me. But the weirdest part of this you. sure. <laughs> in retrospect, I think it happened to me. I feel like a lot of things went wrong there, you know? <laughs> As you get older, I, I love my parents, but I think they messed me up. My neck oh, yeah. hurts and my back's all messed it's their up. Fault. I think so. Mm-hmm. I've seen them hold. They hold my kids. When my kids were little, my mom didn't know how to hold them. They, she held them down to their knees like she was in a SoCal punk band. You know what I mean? Like she didn't understand. <laughs> Bring it up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't. I was like, if that's how you're holding my kids, I mean, I'm serious. I've got terrible issues, and I think it's because of them. I'm blaming my parents. All this to say, every day I would crack open a can of Coke in the morning, and I would take a in sip the morning. in the morning, and I would take a that's sip. Luck. And I would put it in the top of my locker and then just sporadically throughout the day would come by and drink little sips that and get flatter and flatter. Weird ritual. No, yeah. that is so smart because then your blood sugar level is kind of consistent oh. throughout the day. Yeah, it's like true. your body knew. It was kind of a way to uh, talk to girls too because they would be like, hey, can I have a sip of your Coke? Nice. I'm like, okay, but it's very flat now. It's like <laughs> yeah. 2 o'clock. It's super yeah. warm. It's kind of you probably got some... this morning. It was really good this morning. <laughs> <laughs> the friend... smart girls knew to stop by first thing, and those first were the thing. ones that you chose. <laughs> yes, that's right. They chose me, frankly. Right. My friend John had a full-on Coke addiction, or I guess it was Pepsi. Coca-Cola. No, this is Pepsi, actually. Sorry. Okay, but just when you say oh, Coke, yeah, Coke addiction, say an age. Pepsi. He's a Pepsi addiction in high school, and he went to the dentist... Uh, after not going to the dentist for a while, and the dentist, because he would have like five per day, and the dentist basically Jesus. said five Pepsi's a day. Yeah. So okay. they said you had worn, da- you've worn down the enamel so significantly on your teeth because of how like sugary and toxic these Pepsi's are that like from now on until we can re-veneer them, you can't use a tooth. Sorry, you can't use a toothbrush because it'll just continue to wear your teeth away. So you have to use special toothpaste chewing gum, and then he had to stop drinking Pepsi. And he missed school for about, like, I think five days because his withdrawal was just, like, he had constant headaches, like, day-long headaches. Oh, wow. Because of the caffeine. Because of the caffeine. And just yes. all the sugar. And like, crazy. So crazy. Sorry. I'm just <laughs> so that was, no, it was years of that. Because like, you wouldn't give a kid coffee, you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't be like, There's hey, less caffeine in a Coke or a Pepsi than a, than a cup of coffee, I would think so, yeah. I don't know if that's true. I just would assume it's mostly sugar. It's like seven spoons of sugar. I've actually heard that there's more caffeine in a Coke than there is in a, co- really? a cup of coffee. Yeah. Huh. Do you want me to Google this? Not right now. I don't think it's an appropriate uh, use of your time. Uh, but it'd be a pretty uh, cool thing. Go ahead if Diana, you want to Google it. Diana Google stuff on air. 
That's going <laughs> to be, be a, really a recurring segment of yeah. how much caffeine is in the Coke. Yeah. I, 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 it has a lot to do with – it's interesting to me that you mm-hmm. didn't have this – because wait, let me just get this straight. You yeah. Are you from Ontario? Yes. Where are you from? Caledon, Ontario. Caledon, right. And you? You're Toronto? Yeah, I'm from Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Newfoundland. St. John's. St. John's. Lovely yeah, town. So more at that time more of Cambridge, a Cambridge, Ontario. Cambridge, okay. Yeah. More of a Pepsi town too, because there was a big strike. Uh what happened? The whatever the company that bottled Coke was went on closed down their plant. Oh. And they brought in a bunch of people from the mainland to uh to work as like scabs or whatever you call it. And then um everybody in the province like banded together against Whoa. Coke to the point that like still like fifteen years, twenty years later. Like, even still a bit, you'll get some people that are, like, my parents' age that won't drink any Coke products. They'll wow. only drink Pepsi, Orange Crush, you know, all, like, the Crush beverages. I don't think we have to plug too many of these sweet beverages on the show <laughs> yeah. without some, you know... But anyways, I was not allowed... I was allowed almost no pop when I was a kid, so it didn't really matter. And you to me. probably turned out better than me. Like, I uh, I, I mentioned my neck issues and... Yeah, the my neck feels great. <gasps> I like how you've I likened just, your neck... Or you've, <laughs> you've made your neck issues about your parents <laughs> holding you wrong and giving you coke. Yeah, I think so. I, it's I, not I, that you haven't probably done sit-ups in a while. No, no, I no, don't no. think it is. I think it's... Or headbanging at <laughs> concerts. I really think it's... it's coffee has more caffeine. Coffee has more caffeine. Did you Google it? Yeah, I did. Coffee... I was right. So I was right. I don't... I think the caffeine... So it was an appropriate use of our time in that... <laughs> yeah, it was. It confirmed uh, that you were right. <laughs> Feel better about it. The segment is Vish is right and Joseph is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so you grew up in Toronto, yep. uh, Carmen. What was that uh, like for you? What was like? What was it like growing up in Toronto? Ooh. It was pretty awesome. Yeah. Why? Because... All the things are in Toronto. Mm-hmm. All the things that you would want to do, all the movie theaters and the bowling alleys and the and the Furbies and the Tamagotchis and the. These are your no, neighbors. Is that are, who this is? Yeah, the Furbies and the Tamagotchis. No, yeah. I had a, I had a great time. I grew up in the annex, um, but in a weird. Um, it's called Palmerston Square. It's a sort of a traffic maze. I don't know that you lived in that little zone. I love that. Street. Where, great, great zone. Where's Palmerston Square? It's north of Bloor. It's north of Bloor. Oh, okay. Yeah, and but weirdly, there are never any cars because no one can figure out how to get into it. <laughs> yeah. There's so it many. It really is a maze. Way. It's really hard. You have to cut through an alley, kind of. Are your parents still there? Your no, oh, no. Okay, okay. My dad lives um, sort of near St. Catharines now, and my mom is in Parkdale. Okay, okay, mm-hmm. okay. So you lived in Toronto and the whole time, and, whole time, and so you saw. And did things that some kids would never get to do because I, you were in I a big city. I actually have a question, though, just mm. before we move on to the next question. Oh, no. Yeah, we can take a question from the floor. Thank you. There's <laughs> mischief in his eyes. <laughs> no, no, I mean, it's, it's more curiosity. Is that like, so you would have been a teenager in like early 2000s? Yeah. Well, was, yeah. Was the annex, like, did it feel different growing up there as like a kid? Than it does now because, like, it's 100%. always one hundred percent. Really? Oh yeah. So the annex, just for people listening, so uh, I associate uh, Lee's Palace, which is a venue mm-hmm. yeah. uh, in Toronto that people tend to play. Uh, that's in the annex. Uh, new Generation Sushi. New Gen Sushi. <laughs> sushi on Blues. Future Bakery. Brunswick House. Well, not Transact. anymore. Not anymore. Transact. Not anymore. Transact. Thank you. Yeah, so there's some wonderful uh, landmarks. That Honest Ed's Honest is, Ed's. Yeah. is yeah. there for a little bit longer before it gets turned into condos or something. Mm. Yeah. Kind of a nice... Always kind of an interesting, uh, colorful part of Toronto, like an interesting neighborhood. There seemed to be a lot 
arts people seem to gravitate there. Uh, what's that church even there? I saw the magnetic fields there. The uh, Church of the Redeemer? Oh. Or the United Church? United Church. Is that the one across from the... The one's right beside the metro. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Bloor. Which yeah. one yeah. is it? I thought it had a different name. St. Andrews or something. Or oh, yeah. A, maybe that's it. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, I think it's St. Andrews Church. I might be wrong. I'm not a Toronto person. But anyway... Lovely, I think it was, anyway, uh, a lovely neighborhood. It is changing. Mm-hmm. What, when Joseph asked you about the changes, uh, Carmen, what, do you, what comes to mind? What, what has changed? Uh, well, when I lived there, it was in the early to mid-90s, and there wasn't a lot there. I mean, the, the things that we've all listed were, were kind of always there, but there was not really a whole lot else. It's like where a lot of uh, poor young families hmm. lived. Like my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they managed to afford a bungalow. Mm-hmm. They had like this really tiny cottage of a house. Um, like I lived down the street from Anne-Marie McDonald. Like it was very artsy. There was like a food co-op. Gowan was there. Still is. Really? Gowan lives in the annex. Mm. Lawrence Gowan? Yeah. Larry Gowan. <laughs> Larry Gowan. <laughs> Author of Your Strange Animal, <laughs> Criminal Minds. Moonlight Desires. Moonlight Desires. Moonlight Desires. Desires. Yeah. That was my fave. A lot of, a lot of, it was, it was, there was a, a, a pretty good community there. There, there was a good uh, community center where I would take like swimming and, and karate lessons. And I remember having a really nice childhood there. Like there were a lot of parks, you know, it felt pretty I guess enriched for a kid like my parents would take me to the ROM which was walking distance yeah, I'm going like, to the ROM this weekend with my kid oh, mm-hmm. nice. kids my family yeah mm-hmm. we're going to the ROM before we see uh, Rafi nice whoa big, yeah. big uh, weekend in the big city yeah. right? does Rafi still hold up like, in terms of like do kids respond to him the same way that we did I think so I, yeah I, I and uh, and I don't mean to get sidetracked uh, even more than we have do you want to talk about margarine some more um, <laughs> I was going to say are we done talking about soft drinks <laughs> no we, I think we might be I'm getting a little thirsty actually and uh, shaky I might need some caffeine let's stop by your locker <laughs> <laughs> you know, Mish keeps a locker at the university just so we can cruise you girls want any uh, I'm just I'm just letting it breathe that's all I'm doing I snap it open I let it breathe you know you gotta let it breathe <laughs> The can. The So, uh, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. He does hold up. And I think that uh, children's performers, I'm working on a thing. It should have been done by now. Mm-hmm. I did a piece, uh, a magazine piece, a few weeks ago. And uh, it's going to be a podcast, too, at some point. I just got to pull it together. But this notion of um, children's entertainers, when they start out, who knows why they start out? Uh, maybe it's because they, in Rafi's case, he was in the Toronto folk scene. Like he was right there with, I don't know if he was right there with Neil Young and all those people. They were, I, I think, ahead of him. But he was in that coffee house mm-hmm, kind mm-hmm. of. And it wasn't quite, he was doing okay, but he wasn't going for it. And then he just sort of, so, I don't want to say he stumbled because he probably will listen to this and be mad at me. But I think he just realized at some point that uh, he could tap into something different. Did he start writing kids songs before he had kids himself? I don't know his full biography. It, that might not be the case. Uh, okay. But 40 years ago, he put out this first record. And uh, I think he was spurred on to do it by people in a kindergarten program, actually, oh. who said, we could really use, the kids really respond to music. Do you think oh. you could write some songs for kids? And then that inspired him to, to keep going. But my point is, that guy, 40 years ago, started a thing. He faced an audience of kids. They all liked what he did. Mm-hmm. Then those kids grew up, and they had kids, and so he, they brought their kids to see Rafi, and then you have this emotional circle 
of like parents who are like, oh my God, like I grew up with this guy mm-hmm. and now my kids are here. Oh, I can't handle this. And then it just keeps going. <laughs> Grandparents and kids. So he, I'm, I am telling you that I have this thesis that children's performers have, because we, uh, we're, we, we may touch upon this because mm-hmm. you guys go through this. Maybe we won't. I think this is mostly going to be an upbeat talk. Well, I mean, maybe we are. <laughs> well, this whole, you know, I often talk to artists about how difficult it can be to to be artists in the world today. Huh. But I also think that, that. <laughs> I think that's kind of why I don't necessarily want to delve into it unless we go there together. <laughs> but my point is, I think that this is a thing that more people should, I'm not saying we should all become children's performers, but that's <laughs> the, the idea that you could tap into one generation and then just have this ripple effect. Did so you're you? saying like from a financial standpoint, you think that it's like, it's but also fulfillment. I mean, I think that if you're if you like entertaining people in that way, yes, and you like to inspire people in that way, and that's yeah. within you, and and you're not uh, doing something just for your own complete completely your own satisfaction. That's mm-hmm. a pretty interesting. Gig. It's an interesting distinction, like the distinction between people who really want to like perform and like you know just play music, and then people who want to like write and create music. Yeah. I think it's two pretty different instincts. I mean, they collide in certain ways, but... Well, the, the notion that I think that most artists have is they want to find an audience for whatever it is they do, or they'll say they don't. <laughs> and then <laughs> that's fine, too. They're too cool for school. They don't care. But that there's... A, obviously, there's a link between finding an audience and having a viable livelihood. Carmen? What I'm, what I'm also noticing is that Fred Penner has started to tour universities. The, this Which is, is brilliant. Whoa! Well, Fred Penner so and, and, and get high and go he knows it. that his audience is now drinking age, right? And you see these like twenty-one-year-olds sitting cross-legged with a pint glass, like listening to Fred Penner. Like, I saw a mosh oh, pit yeah. at a Fred Penner show. At Come a festival. on, of course. Like so eighteen-year-olds in the sky. Or no, that's um, Rafi, right? Uh, I get those. They're totally Mike, crossed in my uh, I f- oh. <laughs> I think it is Rafi who does yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. I'm trying to think. I have We have the records at home. But anyway, uh, yeah, Fred Penner. I first met Fred Penner at the Dawson City Music Festival. Whoa. Kind of a cool, hip festival. He's played the Hillside Festival a couple times. It's a racket, man. I'm telling you, like, I'm oh, not yeah. trying to be cynical about it. I think it's an... In- you're totally right. You tap into one thing, and you're just... If you do it right... You just it's, yeah. it sustains itself, and this it's an amazing sustainable model for mm-hmm. being an entertainer. I also think this is somewhat separate, but I always have found Stephen Merritt to kind of be a children's entertainer for adults. In oh, the, magnetic fields, yeah, magnetic fields mm-hmm. in the way that he writes songs. Like mm-hmm. there is a total sort of it. Ah, it's like a lullaby e children's song quality to his lyrics, but like the actual words themselves are always quite mature. Mm-hmm. But I find that his melodies and chord progressions often mimic children's songs. Mm. I was just absentmindedly singing Papa is a Rodeo to my kids. And the line, it goes, uh, home was anywhere with diesel gas. Love was a trucker's hand. (laughs) And I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't be singing that. (laughs) So you catch yourself. But it was so sing-songy. Totally. uh, Yeah, it's 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 an interesting thing. Again... This is no reflection on Diana. I just—it's a thing that I've been working on, yeah. and it's a thing that I think about in terms of how you make uh, arts. You're trying just out a, a bit on us. No, I—I <laughs> have it. I think I just need to put it together. I have a few different children's entertainers who've been on, on it. Yeah. Here's a question: Like, would the same circle of emotions apply to? I mean, 
kids of people who listen to Dave Matthews Band when they yep. were like, you know, like are are those are the kids those people also want to gonna listen, listen to, to Crash at their high school prom? I like, took I took my boy at, when he was four to see ACDC. And uh, I was very sheepish about doing this because I was like, oh, man, ACDC fans in my four-year... And, like, it's a big field, Downsview Park. Something uh-huh. goes awry. It's kind of a scary thing. Yeah. I get there. I mean, they're, they're fans through piss at Justin Timberlake. That's Ooh. true. But that was at Starstock. They were trying to make him sick. Everybody was in turmoil. I took him there. My son and I got there. And the first people we met were dads with their eight and seven year old boys and girls and they were saying yeah it's my kid's first concert you know Mm -hmm. so yeah it's as you know Mm -hmm. uh, music and music rituals are a bonding experience for everyone Mm-hmm. And that's why we, we go and we participate. Like we're putting our hands up. <laughs> yeah, this is not a class. You can just... I'm, just saying, I don't, I'm, no, it's, I'm waiting for the right time just to let you It's finish. actually, given how long-winded and, and how much I go on, it's good. It's a <laughs> signal to be like, okay, I, maybe someone has something more interesting to say than me. Well, it's a question for you, actually. So you're going to have to talk again. <laughs> so thank you're going to you. have to do that. Okay. We're interviewing you now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it is, does feel this way. Do you think it would be... <laughs> a good or bad career move to, for Diana to release a children's album called Familiar Touch. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, I don't think that's an appropriate uh, thing for you to do. Okay. Uh, but maybe. Just making sure. Maybe. I mean, it's got... Uh, Carmen is wincing. <laughs> She's not feeling that one. No? She's not okay. feeling the familiar touch. Um, yeah. No, I don't think it's a good idea. But maybe you can make a children's... Full head shake. Maybe you can do a... Full body shake. Yeah, but you, we have seen some indie rock, whatever you want to call it, inroads into children. Like, did you remember... The, did you know about the See You on the Moon compilation that Paper Rag Records put out like 20 years ago or whatever no. it was? No. They did a thing and it was just a bunch of people doing um, children's songs. And for a while, my son was totally obsessed with that. Like, they're, that like. fun. Some of our friends, some of the people we know are mm-hmm. definitely on there mm-hmm. and they're doing their own. The title track is a Great Lake Swimmer song and it's amazing. It's a mm. great song and, oh, cool. and like broken social scene doing like Puff the Magic Dragon or whatever <laughs> and just like silly things like that. So there is a, and you're, you're probably aware of this. You go to the merch table now, there's always like a baby uh, sized shirt. Not a baby. Oh, it's not yeah. just like a baby handling the money. at merch table? We've got to bring a baby out. <laughs> bring a tour baby. Tour baby, yeah. <laughs> if you're not seeing this, there's lots of people selling like little miniature uh, merch oh, items now. Yeah. For it's very kid. smart. Because we become parents. The indie rockers become the parents, and it's, a, it's true. It's the circle of life. It's, circle. <laughs> <laughs> it's the circle of life. Oh. You grew up, Joseph, in Caledon, Ontario. Yes, I did. It's kind of a rural place. Lots of cows, apparently. Lots of cows, lots of horses, lots of wheat fields and cornfields. And, yeah, it was beautiful. I actually grew up with um, a guy who works on this radio station. It, it's, or he used to, actually, at CFRU, named Mike Dean, who's part of the Guelph community. Well, he's uh, he yeah, he's, I think he's still a volunteer. Or has he put the show on the brakes because he had a kid? Maybe for a bit. They had a show called the, what was it Drive called? Drive Time with Diener and Dunstan. And you were always on the airwaves? Yeah. The so The Tone Zone? The Tone Zone. <laughs> so I, uh, anyway, so I grew up with Mike in Caledon, and it was wonderful. I loved it. I mean, I think... I missed out on some of the really great things that Carmen got to experience because we were super rural, but I also got to do other stuff like lots of outdoor stuff and then like, you know, weird shows at community centers and legions and oh, yeah, yeah. all that sort of yeah. stuff. So you were part of a community like as Carmen uh, 
uh, super privileged, super had everything going for. I sipped champagne at Roy Thompson Hall, <laughs> the tender age of nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she had that going yeah, on. Access like, points like to arts and culture that. You, you, but but what happens in a in a town like Caledon is that people have to make their own stuff. I sipped Timmy's at the uh, Alton Legion at the age of five. Were you, were you a guy that would help put on shows? Yeah. Mike, I mean, Mike actually was sort of pretty a big uh, figure in the sort of throwing shows community. But I think between the, um, like between Brampton, Mississauga, and then Callanan, there was tons of shows with lots of bands like, I'm trying to think of the bands, like, like Monine and The End and Perfectly Normal and like Sinclair and I mean like it was like God, very much how punk. many times did I see Sinclair yeah I would see them all the time they're great it was it was all punk and emo and yeah hardcore. it was all punk and uh, emo hardcore stuff and so yeah it was kind and of, it I, was I, always in like we'd go to we we would drive to Mississauga to play these lodges and stuff like from and YMCA yeah. well we uh, we do it from Guelph actually because okay. we uh, me and my friends were in a band in Cambridge and then we came here which uh, one was that uh, it was a it was a band called Captain Copilot. Oh, I don't know that one. Did you ever did you ever play the Irish Center in Brampton? Irish Center? The Irish Center. I don't think so. That was a big one for shows in Brampton, but this was like it would have stopped it around like in 99. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, it's there was cool shows, you know. Like it was kind of, it, it always felt and we would try to do this in Cambridge and Guelph too. It would always felt more meaningful that we were trying to create our own infrastructure for stuff because we were in Cambridge totally. in particular one of the reasons we all wanted to get out is because we couldn't do anything. We'd always get shut down. When Everyone would have a makeshift venue, and then the cops would come. Right. Mm. And it was very frustrating. And then we got to Guelph, and the very first show I saw in Guelph, I think, other than maybe Sloan. I saw Sloan at the university. But other than that, the very first thing I got to see when I came here was like a basement show with a band on Discord, uh, Blue Tip. And it was amazing. It was just amazing that you could – people yeah. just did it in their house, you know? And, mm-hmm. like, there was – 15, 20 people there, but it felt packed and it were felt you, like a real thing. Were you here for when the Constantines first started? Well, uh, the band I just mentioned, Captain Copilot, uh, I was in that band with Dallas and Steve from the Cons. Like we, grew oh, up, okay. we, we grew up learning to play music together. <coughs> cool. So, um, but by the time, so we were in this band, Captain Copilot, it didn't end all that well. Uh, it, it didn't end amicably. Oh. Um, and that was mostly on me. Uh <laughs> Oh. Not to dredge up old stuff, but like they, <laughs> Dallas had started to play with uh, Brian and Doug of the Cons, uh, and then uh, when when our band sort of we, <laughs> I think we had a, the, our last show was a disaster because I just wouldn't I didn't have time to practice or said I didn't have time to practice, and so <laughs> we just I just messed up a song a bunch of songs and uh, we stopped playing and then they po- they took Steve uh, on and then the Cons were born so I'm like the Pete Best. Of uh, Southern Ontario hardcore. If if they're the Beatles, I'm just saying. I'm not saying they're necessarily the Beatles, but uh, maybe they are. They could be. They might have have been the Beatles. Anyway, so, yeah, we do this stuff in Guelph, and then through that, did you guys ever go to Who's Emma in Toronto? Of course. We used to make trips down to Who's Emma to buy records. Like, sort of the only place you could buy good hardcore records other than, like, those distro Tupperware things yeah. shows that yeah, people yeah, yeah. would lug around. Yeah. But uh, it's it's Paul's Boutique in, in Kensington Market now, but it used to be at this place called Who's Emma in the basement. There Did was you ever go, Carl? was before my time. Yeah, uh, you're young. So wait a minute, it was the same location as Paul's Boutique? Yeah. Yeah, it was, we would play in the... There's a doc about it. Lindell, this woman, Lindell Musselman, 
um, made a doc about Who's Emma. Oh, I didn't know that. It's great. It's really great. It's very nostalgic. It was, it was I mean, for the 90s, a super important record store in Toronto. Yeah, it was an ama- and a venue, and, and it yeah. was great, and we would see, like, um, amazing bands there. Mm-hmm. And again, it just, there's something about 30, 40 people that made it feel, like, stronger than being in a crowd full of hundreds and thousands of people, so. Totally. Oh, that's cool. And Kieran, you grew up in St. John's. Yeah. Uh, which I know now is uh, having a very vibrant music scene. Um, in ter- at least I know it is a once a year thing because I go to the Lon yeah. Vanya Festival. Lon <clears throat> Vanya is really cool. I feel like the last time the three of us were all together, or four yeah. of us were yeah. all together rather, was yeah, probably right. in St. John's Newfoundland. I've seen you yeah. a bunch since, but that was the last time we were. Last hung time out. we hung out, I think I drove you home. You drove me home, or One did night. I drive you? Yeah, yeah, you, you drove me home. Yeah. yeah, how did you have a car? You had a car. I don't remember how I had. Why a Why did car? you have a car? You I did have know. a car there. You had yeah. a car. Yeah, you drove me. My mom's car or something. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I stole a car in St. John's. I think you borrowed someone's car. Weirdly, uh, the house I was staying at, my, my good friends Judd and Krista have a house on, um, what's the road? Uh, it's it's really close to my mom's place, which is maybe it why. It's on Carmen the same road. Topsoil Road. Topsoil. Topsoil? Colloquial called, colloquially called Old Topsoil Road, I think. But yeah, Old Topsoil. I think it's topsoil? weird when I try and Google it. I think the sign would even say Old Topsoil, but if you Yeah, Google I got ripped it, off by a cabbie once. Uh, yeah. Yeah, watch out for St. John's like cabbies. St. John's cabbies. <laughs> anyway, St. John's is uh, what my ex- my impression of it because of my once a year trips mm-hmm. for four or five days at a music festival is that it's a very musically rich place. Yeah, I mean, it's got a crazy you know culture of music and stuff like that. I yeah, I feel like I don't know. I have a feeling that the recorded product, at least that I'm aware of, that comes out of there doesn't ever seem to live up to what I wish <laughs> wish it would. That sounds like... Is it primarily... Tra- mean or whatever, but I feel like there's kind of like... And I remember the... Like, for me, when I was even living there, like... I don't know. Yeah, yeah it, I'm curious about it. I'm hoping it will have, like, more of a moment. It's traditional music? Is that what you're wary of? Like, the notion of... No, I mean, that... I, uh, I wouldn't say I'm wary of it. Okay. Yeah. I, I think it's, like, a cool thing that exists there that's, like, part... I was never really informed by it, I don't think, or not that I know of. Like, I never got... In, I remember even when I was young, my folks would play traditional music, and I hated it. Well, when did you... How long were you in St. John's yourself? Till I was 19. 19. Yeah. And then what did you do? I moved to Toronto to go to uh, U of T, where UFT. I met Joseph. Oh, you met there? Oh, not yeah. right away. Like, probably my second year or something like that. Oh, but okay. I moved just to go to music school. I had a really... Yeah, and I mean, I definitely had a really rich type of musical upbringing there but it was more kind of like centered around things that happened like I think that's what I like about it I think there's so many things that happen there that are kind of off the record group like I played in this crazy percussion ensemble that my drum teacher who was like I was just actually ranting about him in the car to not these guys but the other people we drove up with on the way up it was like a really important figure in my life who was like a would make like junk shop percussion like go to like scrap metal yards and buy stuff and make all these gongs and like he uh he actually moved from hamilton he was a guy named don weary but he kind of had this whole community that he had created around himself of like young kind of like very it was really cool too because it would be like his students that he taught at the university because he was the university teacher but then also younger students he would probably start teaching kids when they were around like 12 or 13 and would form these percussion ensembles that sometimes would be like i don't know you just end up interacting with like Percussionists or drummers who were like eighteen and nineteen when you were like thirteen or fourteen, and and he was into really interesting music. Like he just turned me on to so much weird stuff. Huh. That I would- 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I never hear. So there's lots of stuff like that that happens there that's really unique kind of on like more, maybe more of a a community level, I the feel like. The school there has a pretty world-renowned, like, ethnomusicology program, right? Memorial? Memorial does, yeah. There was a couple of profs. I don't know if they're still there, but I remember when I... I did one year there studying classical before I moved to U of T, but hmm. they had, yeah, two profs at the time. But you like, you had a compulsion to get to Toronto. It's funny, because I don't really feel like I was, like, had this burning desire to get out of St. John's. Like, some people I know who grew up there were just like, I want to get out of here, I want to beyond the mainland I want to go to Toronto or it's a little is- it's a little isolating I mean yeah. it's a nice close and it still is that's the thing yeah. too like you don't have as many bands coming in yeah you don't like most bands from there until you get to like a certain level you would never there's not even like really another town you would go to a play show like even the way you guys would go like come to Toronto go to you would go to Guelph or yeah sure right you know wherever like you don't you don't have that thing so there's not kind of that like feeling of like um, I mean I guess it's like Competitive in a weird way, which I don't like the idea of, but you don't feel that push from any external place, which is like both nice, but also maybe not as inspiring as it can be when you start feeling like you see something that's happening somewhere else and you get so excited about it. Right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, but that being said, I didn't, I wasn't like, uh, I wasn't so excited to like move to Toronto. I was excited to like, at the time, I was like such a nerd about drumming, and I just wanted to get better at drumming. And like the program at U of T seemed really cool, and I was open to it. Which I also feel like over the years you've gotten like less, less um, like attached to Newfoundland. Like when I first met you, I felt like you, there was a much stronger pull towards home in terms of like wanting wanting to go back and stuff like that. And like as time has gone on, it I've noticed that less and less in you. Yeah, yeah. I think I've just like well developed more roots here, but also yeah. I think once you find you seemed happy when we were all there, like you oh, seemed yeah. happy oh, to love, be home. I lo- I love that place. Yeah. Like I love being there and stuff like that. Just in terms of the sort of uh, your mother <clears throat> loaned us her car. I know you, she's nice. She guys, I like nice. my mom. Very like, nice. Yeah, guys, I like my mom a lot. <laughs> um, no, it's it's great there. I just yeah, I, I did. I think hit a point when I was in Toronto and starting to really like feel comfortable and like find a community of of like musicians and people here that I was like oh yeah this is I I didn't I mean also it's possible that I just didn't make that for myself when I was growing up um but there's lots going on it's on you bro yeah it's a a lot going on when you're young you can't uh foresee what you're going to be doing and maybe where you could have spent your time you know yeah it's true Uh, you're not really uh thinking about honing yourself uh to do any one particular thing Mm -hmm. The the background on Diana that I understand, and any of you can correct me. In fact, we'll go to Carm. 
I want Carmen to be uh, the fact checker here because she's already figured out that uh, there's more caffeine in coffee than uh, Can you Google our bad history, beverages. please? I won't let you down. My understanding is that uh, the, the first record that Diana made came together kind of scattershot two weeks or something it took. To record it? Or something, yeah. No. Or, oh. Somebody said that yesterday, yeah, too. Yeah, I think it's in a bio it's or not something. True. Oh, so well, what <laughs> yeah. is that about? Is there something about how the new record took five months, which is... And I'm paraphrasing also here. It was like eight months. <laughs> <laughs> so who wrote your bio is the, the next question. Then. Joseph. Oh, <laughs> Did somebody copy edit it? Joseph Shabison recorded it all by himself in two weeks. Well, there's a sense the, the okay, so. The, you recorded the bio? I recorded the bio. It took me two the, weeks. The tone of the, the history that I've read in this faulty, uh, <laughs> highly suspect bio is that I'm send myself an email to look into <laughs> that uh, that the formation of the band was sort of happenstance. Is that not true? Did you did you uh, the three of you decide to to be in a band because it's made the here's what happened. Okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> Carmen's Carmen's gonna go, and then we're gonna see if it's right. I'm going to be 100% correct. Here Check we go. bio for validity. That's my uh, email to myself. Kieran's <laughs> emailing himself. I don't have it in front of me, obviously. I'm paraphrasing. No, but somebody asked the same thing yesterday. That's somebody. what it says. Yes. I'll, I'll be honest with you. That's what it says. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm I not making you would it make it up. Why right. would two people yeah. make up the exact no. same yeah. wrong duration of time? That's you know what? unusual. Thank you for your honesty. Yeah, I'm we trying to be honest. It. Yeah, I'm trying to it's be really good. Yeah. Okay, Carmen. So from what I understand, Joseph and Kieran were in another band called Everything All the Time. Correct. So far, so good, yeah, right? Good. Wrong. Um, Wrong. <laughs> crap. <laughs> they Sorry. were. Too soon. <laughs> uh, they were awarded a grant. Correct. To record, was it a Kieran grant? No, sorry. It was. Oh. It was a Kerry grant, <laughs> and um, then the band broke up. Correct. Wow, he's like my hype man. Yeah. <laughs> Very soft-spoken. Soft-spoken. <laughs> it's like a spelling bee. Correct. Yes. Um, at which point, Kieran and Joseph um, had already, you had already paid for the studio time. You had. Incorrect. Incorrect. Okay. They had already paid for the studio time. Okay. Incorrect. There was. <laughs> she repeated the line. She repeated the, <laughs> fa- the fallacy. Okay. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of making it my own now. It's yeah, yeah, like, yeah. This is like jazz, Correct. you know? Yeah. yeah. So uh, they wrote all these other songs uh, at a cottage. Correct. <laughs> and then they. Uh, they, okay, so you two wrote songs. We wrote songs before we had a singer, basically. So we were like, yeah, we we kind of engaged with this um, this this studio and this producer engineer named Roger Levins, who yeah. we worked on the first album with, who we immediately got along with, and like the studio, the he had all the. He synths. seems to have an. I know a lot of people who are interested in more uh, synthesized music seem to gravitate towards Roger. He's yeah. mm-hmm. pretty like he's a whiz. He's, he's a whiz. He's he has, and he's been collecting synthesizers since the like '90s, and he just has an incredible studio. And also, one last thing before Kieran goes on is the reason Roger is like exceptional is that he makes. This doesn't make him exceptional. He makes his money through ads. Like he makes ads. He's a, he has a big ad studio but he also just has a genuine love for music so because he makes all this money doing ads he records bands you know for like just you know a lot of times for free oh it's like really crazy exactly and like the studio should cost and does you know like thousands and thousands of dollars a day if you're recording ads but for these bands you just go in at night when he's done work and you record and he gives you the freedom to like 
make mistakes, try stuff out, and not mm-hmm. feel like pressure to like get it done because oh, okay. you're paying tons of money. So in that way, Roger, I think is was a huge part of this band. Yeah. Even just like being able to form and be a band because mm-hmm. he gave us so much room and freedom to like experiment. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. So yeah. And wait, yeah. Whose story is this now? I don't know. No, this is good. This yeah, is I think it's good. <laughs> but we had made that we had made that connection, so we decided <laughs> to keep on trying to record. Roger was like, "Just make something here, without without a band." Okay. And then yeah. mm-hmm. and then and then so that was Kieran correct. and Joseph um, are not. Cutting on thin ice. Conventionally good singers. Incorrect. Incorrect. <laughs> 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 F- fuck you. <laughs> so you'd, you had you written lyrics and everything to these songs? Every Co- correct. Some of them were quite like I remember getting a very early draft of Born Again, which um, I think you sang on. Yeah, that's, I sang on most of the demos. I think. Yeah, and he had really like just so much tremolo and reverb. That was a different song. That, that was, was foreign. That was foreign. The foreign again, I think, was foreign. Was me singing, which was also yes. would have been horrible. Oh, really? Yeah, correct. I correct. remember <laughs> listening to that song yeah, and going, song. "I don't, I don't like this music very much." Because of the singing. <laughs> Just it, it. Well, it didn't sound anything like the album. Okay. Wanted, wanted. I will. I'm planning on releasing those demos, those early demos that I'm not a part of, at a later date. <laughs> correct. Um, yeah, and it's going to be. With some, you know, some also that song, content and photos. <laughs> that song is interesting in that, like, Roger, for all of his patience and generosity, at a certain point was like, you guys need to hurry the fuck up. You've been recording this album for like six and a half months. Oh, not the first two one. Weeks, the first one. Like, but, but the way we recorded it was not, it wasn't like day to day the way we worked on this one. But it was like, we would go in chunks. one to two nights a week. Yeah. Over the core, and sometimes with like weeks where the studio was too busy and Roger would take time off. So it's like we worked on it over the course of eight months, but probably oh, for a total yeah. of like three weeks. Okay, or there like you that. go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, but he was like, You guys need to, st- like, you're done. Like, this has been taking so long. You're just like refining and like tweaking, and you need to finish this album. So I think <coughs> with Born Again was always a song we were like, This is a really good groove, but we never had the right lyrics. We had an other version that was just like mm-hmm. not good. And then Kieran wrote the lyrics to that song and the chorus and the melody one day and it was in like in the shower. In the shower. And then it was like, oh this is good. But like I don't think we I mean We I still tweaked it more. I remember when you sang on it we we still like tweaked lyrics and stuff like that. But yeah, it took a long time. So long time. Uh, is the lyric writing a still a collaborative process or, or mm-hmm. is it fundamentally coming from one of you or, or are you I think all this time more around I I wrote a lot of the lyrics you did yeah but we still tweak together okay and then like on this on this album like there was <laughs> friends who tweak together tweak together <laughs> correct but yeah like I think on the, there's a song on this album that I mostly wrote a song that Carmen wrote but then in general lyrically most of it comes from Kieran and then like we'll ref- yeah we'll I have tweak really together. I have really strong opinions about um, words that are selected not because of meaning but because of how they sound aesthetically mm-hmm. so that also sometimes came into play with us yeah. like, I think that you it's it's important for the meaning to be very dialed in for you but then for me it's like if this word really doesn't work is there another word that we yeah. can use that has the same meaning and we would have like oh interesting and it's like there usually is but yeah you're really yeah. attuned to that like right away I'll like realign and Carmen will be like that is gonna sound bad and or it's not you would something be I like, would have thought of it's this or it's this and I would be like this one just based on right 
my shallow need for it to. <laughs> so you're kind of punching up the lyrics a little bit in comedy parlance. <laughs> like you're just kind of, kind of technically, just looking at them technically to make them better. Uh, phonetic, yeah. Phonetically, almost like just how are they going to sound for me, the singer? And my yeah, and my 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 strength in this band is is really in like the delivery of the lyrics, and so it has to it has to work. Joseph made an interesting point in an interview last night that you. Well, were... I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> um, <laughs> that Carmen wasn't uh, there for, but it was yeah talking about the fact that Carmen is a very. Um, emotionally empathetic person. Oh God, what did you really say? And yeah, no, said that. In a really nice way. Have you guys but also read the bell jar? Like, tie, tie that into the fact that like the way you're able to interpret the emotions in the lyrics and in the songs and kind of and, and re-present them. The fact that you are somewhat removed from the lyric writing process, Carmen, actually surprises me given uh, the conviction with which you sing these songs. I, I get that a lot. Correct. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, and, and yeah. it's it's that's a that's a I think a testament to your singing is not easy, and I think uh, actually putting your whole uh, heart into a song uh, can be difficult if you haven't composed the song. You know who is good at this? Uh, Elvis Presley. He yeah. Who? Elvis Presley. He would. There's Frank Sinatra. These guys. They would put their whole being into a song. You're dropping they, some bombs. Vish. I am. I'm trying. Elvis These guys. is good. Yeah. <laughs> Sinatra is good. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't hmm. think uh, you know since the uh, since singer songwriter uh, culture uh, has become it's it's become a thing. It became a thing in the '60s to really. Uh, own your own work, and uh, and we re- we began to respect people who actually wrote their own songs. And ever since then, it's almost more shocking when someone is singing something they have, unless you're in like the total top forty charts world. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you just assume that the person singing the song is singing has written the song. So mm-hmm. I am surprised. Just speaking to you again in terms of some of the themes on this record uh, I, I, I in my head they are because I know you vaguely too I think of you being <laughs> directly emotionally involved in the songs but really I should be uh, worried about Kieran you should be worried about <laughs> yeah. Kieran I, well, I will say I'm though just kidding. with respect to that though like I, I you know I've played with a lot of musicians over the years and Carmen's ability to interpret I mean, both lyrics and music and just sort of, like, retention of, yeah, like, the emotional content and, like, all of it is pretty unparalleled, in my opinion. I, I mean, I've seen the band play a lot, too. Yeah, this Correct. is it's becoming a bit schmoopy. Uh, but I think it's good. Uh, this, you know what? Don't you find this, that you guys could travel miles and miles and miles together in a car or a van and not make these sort of statements to one another but then in this context you maybe learn a little bit about your true feelings for yeah, one another thanks, yes thanks Pete. <laughs> appreciate it <laughs> <laughs> what you send your bill. did you call what you doing you're doing a community service is that <laughs> I think that's what I'd like to say I, that's all I can really do <laughs> with this emotional content uh, has come up here uh, Kieran and whoever else wants to speak to this but let's start with Kieran stop filling with the mic you're making noise oh, okay. let's start with Kieran uh, <laughs> what are you conveying with this w- with some of the songs on Familiar Touch when I hear the, the song Confession for example uh-huh. I'm like that implies a shroud of dishonesty that mm-hmm. implies that something uh, is being revealed that um, uh, out of out of some mistruth 
Yeah. So when I hear things like that, and there's a few instances on this record where I hear longing and and deep, mm-hmm. deep, passionate sort of like, please, and I wonder, Kieran, what's wrong? What happened? <laughs> he misses Newfoundland <laughs> and Great Big Sea. My mom wouldn't give me soda pop. <laughs> <laughs> or if she did, you had to drink it all at once. You yeah. couldn't hang on to it for the whole day. Uh, I mean, there's a there's a variation of reasons that you or f- that I want to write a song, and I mean, sometimes it's just like it really is from that place of of making pop music where you have you make a groove or something you like first you have a track and then like I don't sit down with a, an acoustic guitar and like strum out a song I'm a I'm a modern human being yeah, I got my hey you know what no that's no no I write I know and you do it incredibly I mean that's another interesting point is that Carmen also I think knows what it takes to to make a song so I think that does inform the ability to interpret a song too but yeah I feel like um a song like Confession is kind of just... It's like we started working on a track at Joseph's house one day. The word confession and, like, the melody and, like, backgrounds kind of came into my mind just as, like, a cool... Like, that has a cool ring to it. And then, like, building a story around that. So try, And I think it is informed by stuff you have gone through, stuff you've seen, but it also might be informed by, like, a... A TV show you watched, or something like that. But it also, I mean, within without the, beyond the emotional content, just the the notion of coming up with a word that you're going to hang a chorus you on. Freudian on me? No, that happens all <clears throat> the time. Yeah, yeah. Paul McCartney, he was words. Just yeah, he was famous for like basically singing gibberish until a word popped. Like, kind of, it's kind of what you were talking about mm-hmm. before, of like syllabically things feeling right. Like he would sing gibberish until a phrase or word popped out and then would totally center a song around it. Yeah, I've done it too mm-hmm. and it's so annoying because I'll know that it's the perfect word to yeah. fit into that shape, that melody, even just those notes, but it makes no sense or it is really hard to write around <laughs> and then you really have to rack your brains with confession. We wrote like 20 choruses to that song. The choruses, which is funny because now the chorus is just the word, but the verses came pretty quick. The verses yeah. were really quick. The The chorus was so difficult to grasp. We spent just hours in your house. like Days. Yeah, pacing, just singing nonsense into the air, and you just had this idea of it being like this big, lush thing, and confession had to be in there, and we weren't sure if it was going to be like the A melody or the B melody, if it was yeah. going to be a background or, yeah, and it was just... Yeah. Is, 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 am I recalling the tagline, right? Is, is it confession, I'm not sorry? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting, too. I don't want to fixate on this song. I just wanted you to know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't want to fixate on that song, but that's a nice little misdirection there. There's mm-hmm. like a lot of layers to the music that I think can sometimes get lost uh, because I, I think you guys have gone for a real pop thing. Where where I was coming from with this uh, one word chorus is it also does harken back to eighties pop. I know you're mm-hmm. getting this a lot, and it must be annoying because you're making synthesized music. That it's gotten less can... annoying. I think we've realized that like when I went to like list like the references for the album or something mm. like that, I was like, gotta put in some new stuff so people don't just think it's an it's like wow. <laughs> if all the stuff I'm thinking of for the most part is like, and then I think of the art, current artists that. I get excited about for this music in particular yeah. because I feel like it's one facet of a bunch of stuff that we all do but there are also people who are referencing but it seemed to be a thing where you it was a kind of minimalism where there was like this verse outpouring Mm -hmm. by the chorus it's just like a little thing I think that's in lockstep with what 
is happening with pop music nowadays. Like, Kieran has written some really, really strong choruses that I would put in the same category as, like, a Rihanna song, you know, that one chorus that's just, you needed me, and she just sings yeah. that phrase for a really long time. Yeah. Or or even on uh, Perpetual Surrender, where I, when I was learning those songs, when we were going over them, I, I remember thinking, man, there's a lot of choruses where I just sing one note for a really long time. It's just right, like, Strange ah, Attractions, ah, one note. Ah. Yeah. Yep. I was like, what is up with that? But then if I take a step back and think about it outside of what I would intellectually intuitively do or whatever um intellectually intuitive what i would what i would intellectually do um it it's catchier it is well i mean it's a it's a fantastic record and unfortunately we're running out of time because uh we talked about margarine for 20 minutes i know yeah (laughs) but i do want to and i want to hit this because i think uh it's interesting to me that as we're speaking very soon you guys are going to be heading into the united states yeah. Uh, for some touring. I know some bands who are down there now, and it seems very normal based on their Instagrams and stuff. They're just like, hey, we're in Wisconsin, or hey, we're in New York, and this thing just happened, like a riot just happened. Uh, I, uh, As we're speaking, it's we're still in the kind of uh, recent... We just are dealing with comprehending with what's what's been going on uh, with the, the American uh, presidential election, and uh, I shudder. Uh, I've had to. Kind of, I was sharing links left and right in the last eighteen months, and now I just I'm I'm kind of shut down because I'm yeah. just like depressed. Uh, does Does anyone any one of you want to talk about your mindset uh, for this trip? I will say one thing, which I think is interesting. That at least I've been talking about at home with my wife, which is like one of the many interesting lessons I think this election. I hope people learn is that I think that there is a insanely massive divide between the liberal left and like the racist right. And there's always going to be people, I think, on both ends who are very, like who are ideologues and who also like are awful people. But I do think that the liberal, liberals in particular, and liberals who live in cities and who are of a certain ilk have done a really terrible job at trying to bridge that gap. And I think it's, really easy to post articles on Facebook that only like-minded friends will see and you know like and you feel good because you're all thinking the same thing and it's progressive and it's you know but I do think that like we live in a bubble we live in a bubble completely and I mean it's the same thing that happened with the Rob Ford election and I think that if I've learned one thing it's that I think and I'm totally guilty of this is just to not be content and posting my thing and getting my likes and my friends who think the same things as me will pat me on the back. Like I think we have to do a better job at engaging in a meaningful and non-judgmental way people who are very different from us. And I don't know, like if we're gonna go, I'm, I, you know, we're gonna play clubs in the states where like-minded people are gonna be. Yeah. But if we do experience that thing, I mean, in a, it's also people here in smaller rural communities in Ontario and Canada. Like I think we have to be way better at not just being like that person's a fucking idiot or they're stupid or they're racist or whatever and it's like they might be stupid and they might be racist but like that doesn't make things get better so yeah I I think that's one thing I've been thinking about about going into the states is just like not doing the smug liberal Canadian thing of just being like our country's better than yours you know fuck you you're an idiot and just trying to actually because all Canadian bands do that (laughs) 
Yeah. No, but I think a lot of liberals do that. Mm. Well, yeah. I think that when confronted, I, there was a kid on the campus here uh, that our station's in wearing a Make America Great hat that I saw yesterday. And uh, to me, it, that registered as like a hate crime. Like that to me, yeah, like, like sim- that symbolizes something, something uh, wrong with me, uh, wrong with them. And But it was very interesting I like like what you're saying, Joseph. Uh, I think we all laughed at uh, what was coming uh, for the whole time. I think we didn't take it seriously, and we. It, my reflex when I saw that kid was like, "Oh, he must be wearing that ironically." <laughs> this white kid uh, in the UC in the university center here must just be wearing that hat ironically. And then it occurred to me that maybe he's he's not. I mean, maybe he's wearing it to be fashionable. I don't know. I mean, we're <laughs> in Canada. Like there was. Yeah, that's a weird thing to do. But anyway, I don't want to. Uh, there's so much we can say about uh, this, or that I want to say about this. But I'd like to leave this to Carmen and, and Kieran because uh, Joseph had his say, and Lord knows uh, he talks enough. Um, mm. uh, do, do you have anything you want to say about this uh, situation or about your your upcoming trip? This was a really disappointing, but not surprising election, and I think that it has in some ways changed me a little bit not yeah i'm it's it's changed what i'm reading it's changed my desire to be more actionable like i have already been feeling this way but i'm now thinking like to add to what joseph was saying about how to meet those people and like i guess like burst the bubble the liberal bubble if yeah. that makes any sense like we are we are going to be playing and now when i think about the states i just i have the image of the map burned into my mind the red and the blue yeah yeah and and so i just know that some some of the states that we're going to play in and the cities we'll play in are are like red the republican yeah cities and which ones that we're playing in are we playing in dc yeah Yeah. i didn't i thought they were blue but i thought they were well carmen can uh Google this after. I can Google uh, this yeah. after, we'll but it, it doesn't matter. We'll, we'll be going to the States more for this. You're, for this even record. if you're not playing in certain places, you'll be driving through <laughs> others, and uh, yeah. that's yeah. the other part of it. So It's interesting that that's <coughs> also, like, yeah, your guess that's all right. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that nothing's changed. Like, the States ha- have always been like this. We've known this <coughs> through all of the atrocities, all of the racism, you know, everything that's happened up until this point. The Paul shooting in Orlando is another example of, you know, a really hideous, Kieran, don't touch the mic, um, <laughs> moment in, in the h- history of the United States. Nothing has changed, but it's just, it's just sad, I guess. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is a bright note to end on. Uh, Kieran, do you have anything you want to say? No, yeah, same the same idea, and it's interesting that that's how people are feeling. I mean, I think it's worth noting that all three of us here are white people. Yep, I think it really is important for white folks, especially like cis-bodied men, like Joseph and I, to think about you know the role. Like I've noticed myself in other situations over the years, or maybe maybe more recently, like how I'll be in situations with people that are actually way more in danger, but I'll be the one getting way more furious at, at the thing that's going on because yeah. people are so used to tolerating it. And I think like we have the ability to, to cross that bridge a little bit and maybe deal with people that could do really horrible things that might offend us, but also might like really endanger another group of people. And so I think like, yeah, really putting for me, like putting myself out there to like be more patient and, 
careful with those situations instead of just writing somebody off and thinking they're ignorant. But like, I think it's yeah, I think it's on white folks to kind of maybe like deal with that white men specifically to deal with that like really head on and try and tackle it because it shouldn't be the case that people are going to listen to us more. But especially for people who might be a little bit ignorant, like you probably have the most ability to bridge that gap, and also you've probably done the least work or like less work than other people. So trying to like go into the states with that it's the, the same thing that these yeah. guys are saying but just the, be a little more tall. I feel like we could spend another hour on this and uh, and I'm, I'm sure maybe at some point we can talk more about it but um, for now let's celebrate the fact that you've got this great new record Familiar Touch and it's out now did you guys put this out yourself? no no Culvert uh, Culvert Music Culvert Music Culvert yeah. Music what is that? they're a record label out of Toronto who are <coughs> just wonderful supportive awesome people Great. Okay. We okay. had such a good experience with that. Okay, good. Yep. And uh, it's out? Is it's it? going to be out on the 18th, and 18th. it's available today? to stream today for the first time. But yeah, 18th. Mm. It's, 18th. it's on okay. Hype. Hype M. Hype, Hype Machine. M. Hype Machine. Hype Machine. Hype okay. M. And uh, where can people go to uh, follow you on the internet? Oh, Ooh. good question. I think we have a Facebook page called Diana, <laughs> and then we have an Instagram account called Familiar, familiar touch, touch, familiar touch, which is the name of the record. Joseph and I have uh, Instagram personal Instagram accounts where we post a lot of cats. Kieran posts less cats. <laughs> yeah, That's true. Fewer My cats. Instagram's less fun. And then we have a Twitter it's handle as well. We had the we were all on our each other's uh, Instagram when we went whale watching on That's that right. foggy day in St. John's. That was nice. That was Couldn't very nice. See anything, but it was fun. It was nice. It was a good hang. Yeah, it was a good I hang. wasn't there. I oh, think sorry. I was baking you a birthday cake. Oh, that's sweet. Spoiler alert. From <laughs> you never she got to eat it. Given it to me yet. <laughs> I ate it all. Uh, is there a website? No. You guys don't have a website. No that website. is very something 2.0. Twitter, that's amazing. Got Twitter. Twitter. Yeah. Okay, you got all that stuff. Yeah, all right, people. Twitter, Just Google Diana and eventually. Diana the band, Toronto, Diana the, and then you'll get us. Okay, there you go. Is there a song from Familiar Touch that we can uh, go out on by a consensus vote? Is there something, anything at all that we can play? Uh because I think maybe by the time people are hearing this, the record will be out. So uh, mm-hmm. anything is really uh, probably uh, uh, up for grabs. I would say Cry or Helpless. I like those. I don't know. I'd say Cry. Cries. Yeah, it's a bit of a downer, but... Oh, it's so beautiful, though. Yeah. Is it something you'll be playing live? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, we're going to play it tonight at okay. the E-Bar. At the E-Bar, as we're speaking uh, in the <laughs> yes, past. tonight. Uh, we're live to air right now. No. No, we're not. Thank God. Uh, all right. <laughs> you so, missed us so we're gonna the play, We're going to play Cry. Is that what we settled on? Yes. Okay. This is Cry by, Correct. Di- by Diana. Uh, Joseph, Carmen, Kieran, thank you very much for being on my show. I hope you learned something and had fun at the we same did. time. We did. Thanks for having us, yeah. Vish. Thank okay. you. Thanks, Vish. You're welcome. Let those tears come
From their new album, Familiar Touch, that was Diana with Cry. Special thanks again to Joseph, Kieran, and Carmen for not making me cry and having a nice conversation while they were in Guelph at uh, CFRU. Thank you for coming to CFRU, Diana. You are a, a great band. And everyone, check out their album, Familiar Touch, and go see them live. They are a, If you get to see them with their giant... I know we didn't talk about it there because I didn't know they had a giant configuration of the band yet. I hadn't seen them on this tour. If you have a chance to see them with this giant version of the band, please do. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Diana, thank you very much. Hey, this episode of Creative Control would not be possible without The Bookshelf, which is an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and restaurant located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph, Ontario. For more information about The Bookshelf's hours, listings, blogs, directions, accessibility, and to order books from their online store from anywhere in the world, please visit bookshelf.ca. You could go see a band like Diana, who just played there not too long ago at the E-Bar, which is part of The Bookshelf. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by Pizza Trocadero, the finest pizzeria in all of Guelph, Ontario. They've got delicious gourmet pizzas. You can choose from an array of fresh ingredients and make whatever you like yourself. They've got calzones, wings, panzerotti, salads, breadsticks, garlic bread, everything. You can find them at 7 Municipal Street in Guelph or trocaderoguelph.ca online. Call them at 519-829-2444 for pickup or delivery that's Pizza Trocadero, a place of the good trade. Creative Control with Vishkana is available via iTunes and Audioboom.com. And also every episode is in plain sight at Vishkana.com, my website. While you're on my website, you can uh, click on a link and visit the show's Patreon page uh, at Patreon.com where you can make a flexible monthly donation and uh, keep the, sh- the, the podcast version of the show going. The uh, community radio version of the show is doing fine on its own. You don't have to support that version of it. And that can be heard every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time at CFRU.ca around the world or if you're in the area at CFRU 93.3 FM in uh, Guelph and the surrounding region. Creative Control of Vishkana is on Facebook, on Twitter, at Vishcreative. I'm at Vishkana, and follow us, like us, tell people about us. I'm feeling pretty good about uh, the show these days. Lots of great guests lately and interesting conversations. So if you feel the same, tell other people about it because uh, it uh, would be helpful, really. That's about it. Lots more stuff to come before the end of the year. Uh, so And some big announcements, I hope. Uh, live tapings and, and other stuff too so I'll keep you posted on that and again follow me everywhere to to get the latest news alright that's it for me thanks so much again I'll talk to you soon bye for now Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.